Tonight we're going to study the topic of God's will. You know, often we talk about God's will, and we desire God's will. But is there a simple way to know it? So my goal tonight is to give you some simple things to consider as you're thinking about God's will. And then as you consider God's will, hopefully it will demystify God's will for you. Because, you know, God is more interested in you knowing his will than you are. Um, so often, I think, you know, we wrestle with this and we say, I just want to know God's will as if God is wanting to somehow hide it from us. And so I hope tonight as we go through this, this will be maybe for some of you, this will be a reminder. And maybe for some of you, there will be some new thoughts in this tonight. And possibly for some of you, you would say, well, this was all new to me. And if that is, then I'm excited that we're going through it because these are important things for us to be reminded of. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, we read this. He says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know, to not know God's will is to be unwise. Uh, the word unwise means foolish or to act rashly without thought. And I realized I didn't put those two blanks up here, so you'll have to fill those two in. It's not going to show up on the screen. Um, the word unwise means foolish or acting rashly without thought. Um, Peter introduces us to this first step in knowing God's will in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. So let's open our Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. We'll have to do a little looking around tonight. And as we know God's will, the very first thing that he wants us to see here in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 is, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, the very first thing that I want you to notice on your sheet is, he wants people to be saved. You know, that's God's will. It's God's will that people be saved. You know, that's the reason why we struggle so much as, as we talk about some people that would say, well, you know, I just believe some people are predestinated to, um, to not be saved. If God predestined some to be saved, God predestined some not to be saved. And that's a misunderstanding of the word predestination. It's a, it's a misunderstanding as we've talked about before. You know, there's foreknowledge, there's election, and there's predestination. And each of those words can often be misunderstood. I'm not going to spend time going through it again tonight, but I think it's important that we remember and don't confuse the difference between foreknowledge and election and predestination. So tonight as we look at this, what, is the, what do the scriptures tell us? It is God's will. He wants people to be saved. You know, without knowing God's will, we can make some very foolish decisions. Without God's guidance and will, we act rashly 
and without apparent thought. God's will is really important for us today, but we struggle with God's will. Um, so does God really care what happens in each of our lives? Does God really know what we're going through? What is God's will for us? If God wants us to know his will, let me ask you this question. What is the most obvious way that God would show us his will? Through his word. He's written it down for us. And that's really important. So as we look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, we see what is one of the very first things. He wants people to be saved. It's God's will that all men be saved. How do we know that? Well, first of all, in John 3, 16, he gave his own son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How do we know it's God's will for people to be saved? Because he gave his son. What's another thing that we find? God leads his own. In John chapter 10, verse 4, I'd like to turn over to that with me. John chapter 10. Verse 4, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow, for they know his voice. What I want you to notice is, he wants to be with us. Not only did he give his own son, but he wants to go with us. In Psalm 23, verse 2, he talks about how the shepherd leads us. Not only did he gave his son, he leads his own, but also, and there's no blank for this, but I want you to notice, he preserves his own. We talk about in John, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and we talk about love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I want you to notice that last part. God preserves us, and God, so he wants us to be saved, and he's made sure by giving us his son, by leading us, by preserving us, um, <clears throat> God not only wants us to be saved, but he wants us to be something else. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 through 19, he wants us to be spirit-filled. Now, there's a difference here between having the Holy Spirit and being filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. Everybody who gets saved... When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says you have been given the Holy Spirit and he's sealed within you. Meaning, he won't leave you. The Holy Spirit's always there. But, we talk about spirit filling. Now, spirit filling is commanded. If we go to Ephesians chapter 5... And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, we read, be, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, 
but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How are we to know God's will? By being filled with the Spirit. By being under the control of the Holy Spirit. How do you know what to say? What's the Lord's will concerning who I speak to and what I say to them? The Holy Spirit gives us direction. Well, often we, we wonder, well, we want to know, when we're talking about God's will, we're wanting to know a very specific piece of something. Do I buy this car? Do I not buy this car? Do I marry this person? Do I not marry this person? Um, the question that we need to start backing up is, first of all, as we're asking these questions, have we ever received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior? That's, that's his most important will for us. More important than a car or a house or even who you marry. He wants you to be saved. The second thing, he wants you to be spirit-filled. He wants you to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. As you're looking at specific details, we, we begin looking at this specific detail and God says, well, there's a bigger thing that I want you. I want you to be under the control of the Holy Spirit, the one that I've given to you. So what does spirit filling mean? Saved people have the Holy Spirit, all right? You can't get more of a person, but saved people should be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Saved people should be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting. I, I used to do a lot more woodworking than I do right now. And I was working on a project, and I was just laboring and laboring and laboring at this project, trying to get it done. And it had some very intricate cutting that had to be done. And all of a sudden, I remembered, I have a saber saw. I had the exact tool that I needed. The problem was not that I didn't have the tool. The problem is I forgot that I had the tool. And so often, as we are making decisions in our life, if we would pause and remember the Holy Spirit, it would totally change our ability to know what to do. Spirit filling is commanded. Saved people have the Holy Spirit. Saved people should be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Think about um, different well, we've, we've got the Apostle Peter. And Peter went through a lot of different things in his life. He walked on water. He sank in water. He denied the Christ. He said, thou art the Christ. And what was happening? Peter was in and out of his focus of what God is giving. He had the ability to heal at the temple. What we really need to do is learning to release the Holy Spirit in our life when we're making decisions. As we continue to look, so what does spirit controlling look like? According to Ephesians, we read psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, a song in your heart, singing, is a characteristic of being controlled by the Holy Spirit. What is spirit control? Spirit control is being saturated 
with God's word. Colossians 3 has the same list as the Ephesians, only it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's being under the influence, being saturated by the word, by his person. You know, it's God's will that you be saved. It's God's will that you be telling others so that they can be saved. It's God's will that you be spirit-filled, spending time in God's word and obeying God's word. One man said it this way, it, to be spirit-filled takes planned neglect. Not to see, do, hear, or read, or listen to some things in order to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's very easy for us to be distracted. The third thing I want you to notice that the scripture talks about is to be sanctified or to be set apart, to be clean or to be pure. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4, and there in verse 3 we read, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And then he goes on to describe what does it mean to be sanctified. He says that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. So he's going to give us a list of some things. First of all, he calls us to physical purity. This is what you choose not to do. You should abstain from fornication. Then he talks about a practical purity. What you choose to do. In verse 4, he says, That every one of you should know how to possess his body, his vessel, in sanctification and honor. Then he's going to talk about a passion purity. It's what you choose to think about in verse 5. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. And then he's going to talk about a social purity. And this is how you choose to treat others. Verse 6, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner. All of a sudden we begin realizing many of the decisions we make every day are guided by God's will and specifically God's will as is written in his word. This tells me what I choose not to do. This tells me what I choose to do. This tells me what I would choose to think about. And this tells me how I would choose to treat others. So all of a sudden, we're in the middle of something. We say, oh, well, I know what he wants me to do. Because God's word has told me what to do. I know what God's will is. So many of the things that we're choosing, we're wrestling with what do I do, God has already told us what he wants us to do. 
Robert Murray McShane was at a, an ordination, which is where they are. Um, it's, it's the agreeing that we see the gifts and abilities in the, in the life of a man, that he has the gifts and abilities um, and the calling to be a pastor. And Robert Murray McShane at this ordination said, Sir, according to your purity, so shall be your success. You let that settle in for a moment. Not only is that important for pastors, but that's important for each of us that we would be sanctified, set apart, pure. The next thing that we read is found in 2 Peter again. And it deals with the idea of being subordinate. I know that's a little harder word. It just was easy to keep the S's. <clears throat> but subordinate, which means submitting to our authorities. Submitting to each other. You know, the world is watching us. And we learn to submit. We honor others. And we submit to our authorities. In 1 Peter chapter 2. And there we read, he says, For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. What's he telling us? He's telling us as we learn to function in this world, he says, we learn to bring ourselves under, to submit, to be under control to those who are around us. What about our employer? Well, that would include our employer. What about an unsaved husband? Well, that would include an unsaved husband. What about a lousy neighbor? Well, that would include still learning to submit and be kind. What about the laws of the land? All of a sudden, we begin realizing, oh, this is God's will that I learn to live under the control that he's placed over me. So he talks about being saved, being spirit-filled, being sanctified, being subordinate. But there is one other thing that we need to understand as we do God's will. And that is sometimes, in fact, often, there's going to be suffering as we do God's will. You say, well, why would there be suffering as I do God's will? The Apostle Paul, in the book of Philippians, and Philippians is a fascinating book because it tells us how we can have joy in the middle of a life that's not going the way we want it to go. The Apostle Paul is in jail. He's been imprisoned. He's chained to a man. This is not the way he thought he could best serve the Lord. And yet here he is. And what does the Apostle Paul say? For unto you is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. 
Paul had been through difficulty. The Philippians knew that. In Acts chapter 16, Paul had been persecuted. He had been falsely imprisoned. He had been beaten. He was in stocks. And you know, sometimes when you do everything right, I mean, you understand when you do things wrong that there's consequences, but when you do it right, you suffer. And when you do God's will, when you follow God's word, sometimes you're going to suffer for that. They'll call you names. Or they just won't want to spend time with you. Our children have a hard time understanding that, but you know, sometimes we as adults have a hard time understanding that too. You do the right thing, you're being kind, and they don't want anything to do with you. There's going to be suffering. Suffering comes through service. When you serve the Lord, people, there will be people that will oppose you. And suffering also comes through godliness when you do the right thing. He says, expect suffering. Now, we've looked at these five S's. You say, all right, so I'm learning God's will. I'm saved. I'm spirit-controlled. I am sanctified. And I'm under authority. And I've suffered. What do I do? Interestingly enough, Psalm 37, 4 tells us, he says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And all of a sudden you begin realizing, oh, you do the desires of your heart. When you follow God's word, when you're under the Holy Spirit's leading, when you are saved, when you're under the, the control of those that God has placed over you, then you begin looking, what's the desire of your heart? Do it. Do it. You see, when we stay in his word, when we are witnessing, when we are submitting to our authorities, when we are keeping ourselves pure, your desires will be right. And he is directing your paths. And all of a sudden we realize doing God's will is not drudgery. Doing God's will is exactly what he wants you to be doing. You know, God led us so clearly to be here, but you know the exciting thing is, is that he's giving me the desires of my heart. I really enjoy what I get to do. God's will is not harsh. God's will is good. It's acceptable. It's perfect. It begins by you making choices for you to be able to know God's will. That's what you want in your life. That's what you want in your children's lives is we just want them. We want them saved. We want them spirit-filled. We want them sanctified. We want them submitting to the authorities God's placed in their life. And we recognize that when you do things the right way, in God's will there is suffering, but in God's will there's great freedom. 
to do what God has for you. That's what's so exciting about this local body and what God has for each of you. God has a perfect will for you. But it's not something mystical and it's not something that we have to wrestle with. We do need to make sure that we're listening to the Holy Spirit. We do need to make sure that we're in God's word. We do need to make sure that we're making choices that don't distract us. But God wants you to be joyful. He has a will for each of us, and it's not scary. It's not even that difficult. You just remember these five things, and then as you do those things, you can do the desires of your heart because you've delighted yourself in him. And he's shaping the way you think.